Episode 145, dated Friday the 26th of February 2010, Originality. Their names are Alex Shaw and Tony Atkins. Alex and Tony from Digital Cowboys. Together they are the Digital Cowboys. Our friends, the Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. A dynamic duo of dynamite podcasters that deliver a show of divine quality each and every week. We just recorded uh, with the Digital Cowboys yes, right before this. Fun times. Two very, very swell chaps. The Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. I just recently appeared on the Digital Cowboys podcast. The Digital Cowboys. They're British. It was fun times because they're British. Yeah. Yes. And they had the sexy accents. It's true. In-depth gaming discussion with special guests and interesting questions. That's an interesting question. Tony recently finished Bioshock 2 and I've recently finished playing Darksiders and both of them could easily have allegations of unoriginality leveled at them. So tonight we're going to take a look at the games under the surface and ask ourselves, is originality as important in 2010 as we've been led to believe all these years? And special drinking game, every time either of us says originality or unoriginality, take a shot folks. Because we're betting by the end you will be dead of alcohol poisoning. Talking, I mean, Darksiders, let's just clear this up first off. I mean, this is Zelda. I've, I've mentioned this one before, and I think many other podcasts have as well. And I th- I'm probably a little bit late to the party on this one. I, I finished it about two weeks ago. Um, it, it's it's literally Zelda. I explained this to Paul. I said, uh, Paul, do, do you like Zelda? Said, yes. I said, uh, do you like God of War? Yep. Well, you'll like Darksiders then. I, I was going to ask which Zelda, but... Everyone knows what Zelda means. They're all roughly the same, so... Um, it, it's most similar, I suppose, to Ocarina of Time. But then again, I've really... I've, I've played Ocarina of Time all the way through. Uh, I've played... I mean, it's, it's not like Link to the Past, aside from thematically, because obviously it's, it's, it's not that 3D adventure. But there are just bits that happen in it, and there are a few things that happen in Twilight Princess, which I'm in the middle of playing, um, where you just think, oh, come on. Now, let me just... Reel off this list right now for you. Okay, there are bomb flowers in this game. There are bomb growths right next to the things you need to blow up. There's a hook shot, although in this game they call it the abyssal chain. There's Z targeting. You hold down the right Lock trigger off. and automatically it locks onto an enemy. It even does that little widescreen effect. I mean, you, you played the demo. Did you Did you see this going on? Yeah, just the, literally I just played the demo. The demo's about an hour long. So you, yeah. you certainly, as I tweeted, you get value for your money. Uh-huh. I think they were just t- kind of desperate for people to go, you know, uh, get past the first impressions on this game. But, yeah, I mean, even through that hour, it, it's clearly based around Zelda. Absolutely. No, it, it, it starts you off in the same kind of way. There's a badass two-handed sword made for you by a blacksmith near the end of the game. Navi slash the Watcher plays your little fairy slash demon helper, although the Watcher is much cooler than Navi. Uh, Navi, if you remember, is that little fairy that goes, listen, every time that you... you right, okay, I need. I know where I need to go. I'm just doing a little side quest here and she'd keep pestering you uh, and your demon helper the watcher does the same thing but he does it in Mark Hamill's voice you know the kind of the voice of the Joker and he, he doesn't sounded like cha- the Joker as well yeah he doesn't even change it up that much so it's it's basically he's going come on war you've got to go over here go to this mountain you must visit a number of palaces and kill the monster inside to proceed and to, it's the same it's, you okay. literally you journey around the palace you open up the doors you get the mat uh, and you get the and it the even final makes the little sounds as well that's the thing that got me it's like Every time you pick up a quarter of a heart slash skull container, it counts towards your total life energy. 
the bosses always give you the key to their undoing and have glowing red weak spots that you can hit for massive damage. So, like, they'll throw bombs at you, you throw them back at the bosses, they'll go, ugh, and then they turn around and show you their ass, which is glowing red, and you hit them in the ass repeatedly. Same kind of fights there. You can climb up ivy all over walls. You get to your horse, Ruin, in this game, Epona in Zelda, and you, to get it, you have to beat the fool who rides her. The horse can be summoned when you're outside. Unfortunately, in this one, not using an ocarina. You can, ho- you can hotkey your special tools to special buttons, just like in Zelda. Near the end of the game, you have to revisit the main areas of the world to pick up special items. There's a titanic battle with your sword-wielding nemesis at the end, and... Most recently, there's a mask that lets you see into the Twilight world. That's not really spoiling anything. But, but I would say 50% of that was, could be any game. I mean, yeah, I, I would say the a hook shot. I would say the other 50% quite obviously is Zelda. But you know, is it more plagiarism or is it just you know, it's more home? I'll get to that in a second. I just want to mention the God of War references as well. You are the embodiment of war, being manipulated by the powers that be into being a weapon for them. It was one of the heavenly host what betrayed you. You kill enemies for soul power, which bursts out of their bodies and then gets sucked into you. Break chests. Yep, chests. I mean, but that was in Zelda as well. I suppose, hang on. You break chests in the... You have to hold down the... Yeah, you're kind of fishing off and bang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Green souls heal you, although that was nicked from Devil May Cry. Potential for devastating, very similar combos with multiple savage weapons that you can add soul power to. You can climb along ivy on the ceiling in the same way as Kratos goes... and stabs the ceiling. There's a stupid extended sequence, and this is the worst bit of the whole game of Darksiders, involving directing a beam of light with mirrors to open a door. The whole of the final palace drove me nuts because that sequence took forever and to top it off there's a portal gun in this game it fires out blue and orange apertures that you have to hit specific places to it doesn't give you that kind of complete freedom of portal but basically they they make you do the same kind of tricks using you know jumping in and out of places and and firing yourself up in places to get i even felt that it touched on prince of persia kind of running along those walls as well it seemed a very similar style between wall ivy wall i suppose but then again here's the thing it's important to remember how incredibly unoriginal god of war was in the first place (laughs) i know we love it you know to bits but effectively it just took elements of devil may cry elements of prince of persia mixed it in with some greek mythology that hadn't been looked at in that kind of you know nasty uh you know close up what what would be the word gritty realistic adult way um and then basically just spun a game out of it and it was you know really compelling but at the same time it wasn't original and um ultimately zelda the ocarina was original but it was still playing on on an old old precept of of the of the old zelda games and that in in itself was sort of building on the sort of years of development that they'd made on the first i suppose what three games the two nes ones and the one snes one so it's it's stealing however I don't think it's stealing in a kind of, oh, no one will ever notice. This is quite clearly an homage to Zelda, and most probably as well as God of War. Or is it? I think it is. I mean, well, you, I mean, this you, is the amount it? of things that turn up in this that you just, you know, they, they didn't make a mistake and go, you know, I wonder if this has been in a game before, or do you no, think... No, no, that's, that's, that's not what I mean. But first of all, I want to know, did you enjoy Darksiders? After all that, after all the similarities to all these other great games, so, you know, does it make for a great game itself? Yes. 
Yes, it does. I really enjoyed this game. <laughs> and that's the thing. While you're playing through it, you realize that, oh, and they're trying to do Zelda, but they're trying to do a Zelda that they want to do, that the kind of the, the nastier, grittier, but it, not even that nasty. I mean, ultimately, it's come out at a time when Dante's Inferno is about to, uh, to turn up, yeah. and that's full of tits and it's... blood and all kinds of rubbish and just stuff which, you know, is, is in, in inverted commas, a mature situation, but just basically it seems like a 14-year-old boy is voting to mature. And it was actually quite funny because in, in one scene in the demo, I, I ripped a man's heart, a, a beast's heart out, but the heart came out and had little gnasher teeth on it. And yeah. it, it kind of went, <laughs> and so it's like a completely different scenario to, I just, dude, I just ripped his arteries out. Just it, that. It's demon on demon violence. There's very little kind of, oh God, how could they do this to a human? In fact, uh, there are no humans left. It's been the apocalypse. Humans are all dead. And, and it, the world is effectively giant and empty and it's just got palaces around for you to go visit. Um, it's a lot lonelier than Zelda. You don't get that anywhere near the warm, tingly feelings that you get while playing Zelda. But at the same time, the, the feeling of generally accruing stuff and skills and things and being able to go to the next level. I mean, much like Metroid and, and Shadow Complex and that kind of game. Well, um, it, it's, it's, it's really kind of, you know, keeps you going. But to, to go to my second point then, when I said, oh, well, you know, do they know what they're doing? I, what I, I guess I was trying to say is, you know, is it more of a case of rather than saying, well, you know, this is, you know, a, a respectful homage to uh, some of these great titles that have been in the past? Is it more to do with just um, cheap game design? You know, what has worked for another game in the past? Easier to pull, put a different uh, coat of paint over the top. There we go. Game probably going to get a few scores because people feel, you know, relatively com- comfortable with the idea or does it actually take it further than that and actually look at those games from a distance and say well these mechanics haven't necessarily been bettered over the years mm. so why not just borrow ho- wholeheartedly from them and make them our own it's the latter I mean, when playing, I did not... When you think cheap game design, you generally think you'll get to a part of the environment where there's just this giant invisible wall and you'll realise they couldn't be bothered to just animate that section of it. That that takes away and detracts from the feeling that you're in a giant cohesive world. In this, there's a lot more kind of exploration to be done and it's encouraging you to seek out every nook and cranny. And it it doesn't feel cheap as a result. There's not not that sort of sense of... I mean, I suppose it's cheap in terms of it's been done and they're not really doing anything anything new in it but it's it's i think basically if you're going to level uh, accusations of unoriginality at this you have to then look at things like uncharted which i said way back in my review was just taking the best bits of gears of war and tomb raider and combining them into a really tasty cocktail because i we just haven't seen we haven't actually seen a zelda game like this there has never been a zelda game with an edge and ultimately if you if you like yourself some zelda but you're getting sick of doing that that kind of i mean you you put it like this did you finish twilight princess no exactly why and and this is where the strange thing comes in because i didn't finish twilight princess because i felt like i'd seen it all before it it was a classic case of well it's another dungeon and you know as much as i've enjoyed all the other dungeons in the past Mm. this one just kind of feels like i'm going through the motions and because it's so similar to the the game where it's forebearers you know it 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 just kind of got bored of it now Mm. it's take that from wind waker where personally i it's my favorite zelda game well, um, it's, the, it's the most different and the most unusual. They went for yeah. a completely different graphical style. They covered everything in water and made it more about islands and, and gave you a slightly different kind of world to explore. So it doesn't... I mean, Twilight Princess does feel like Ocarina, which but, to me works in its favour. But. but that's why I, I glued onto it maybe a bit more, because just in, in its graphical appearance, it, it didn't feel quite as... 
unoriginal as Twilight Princess. Even though Twilight Princess you know, played around with the kind of the wolf form and you know the different day night cycles, which mm-hmm. kind of been done before. on what was the one after? Second one on the Dreamcast. Majora's, oh, Majora's Mask. Dreamcast, N64. No, N64. Yeah, Majora's Mask, which I so, have yet to play, but will play. So it, that, that, they've already experimented with that, but I just, I just felt like the graphical style was something new and fresh, and it kind of brought a whole new layer of fun to the character. Mm. So you, by the sounds of it, Darksiders, and from what I just played with it, kind of just, it, it does that. It, although it's a familiar setting, familiar mm. kind of style of gameplay, it's, it looks completely different, thus it feels within its, in, in, well, it can feel in within its own <laughs> own architecture. I don't know. It's just his own place, rather than just oh, we're here again playing as Link in the back game. at Hyrule again. You better go yeah. get the bow. Did I mention the boomerang? I don't think I mentioned the boomerang. <laughs> There's a boomerang that's basically uh, a big shuriken type thing. Um. But here's the thing, when you get underway in this game, there's one of two ways you could approach this. Uh, I've done this before over and over again. I don't want to have to do it again, which is, I think, what you probably felt about Twilight Princess. Or, I've done this before over and over again. I know what I'm doing. Let's get on with it. And it's, it's it, it, for me, it was the latter. It was, it was like, um, right, I clearly, I, at this point, I can see the bits where I can only get to using the hook shot. So if I just carry on, I'm probably going to find a hookshot. So let's just keep moving. And, and and thus the unoriginality left me with a kind of a warm, familiar feeling of, of feeling like I was on solid ground. Whereas maybe a, a more original game like, you know, Killer7 really put a hell of a lot of people off um, because they didn't know where they were with it. And I'm currently trying to play Fahrenheit and finding it really difficult because it's... It's not just giving me the usual sort of way of playing through the game. I, you know, you get to bits where you're like, right, I've got to find something out, and you, and you know, you've got a clue on your desk, but you can also access the internet, and there's huge amounts of extra stuff you can do just pottering around your office, and it leaves you feeling completely vulnerable because you, you don't know when you're going in the right direction. With a game like this, you always know when you're going in the right direction, and I think that's what leads to the popularity of, of games that are unoriginal but established. And it may be jumping, maybe straight on and through. How, how games kind of exist within this conversation but familiarity doesn't necessarily mean that it's unoriginal mm. just because you feel you know safe and comfortable and, and, and it's the same button presses that you've been doing for the last 20 years doesn't necessarily mean, mean it's bad game design it just it, it means that they're going for something different um, you know I, how else would you explain people going out and buying the latest sports title year upon year yeah, you know, they're not looking for anything original. They're just looking for the same old game they play, but with maybe slightly tighter controls and you know maybe a nicer graphical engine. At the same Isn't time, it? I'm sure you did appreciate the little tweaks that they added to FIFA 10, for example. Well, completely. The but board. you wouldn't say necessarily it's a, a massive original approach to it. It's just they they tightened controls every, every game. Yeah, it's you know exactly small refinements, and that's maybe. Uh, what can be classed as, well, that's fairly unoriginal, but a refinement of a genre is actually, I think, at this stage of game development, a fairly hard task indeed, because I would ask to you then, now, mm. is, is there anything left in the gaming industry that we can truly class as original? Yes. There are a few little titles. They usually tend to be little ones and risky titles that come out each year, which, while they have elements of uh, other games, like I'm thinking Braid here and things like that, Yeah. Even that, though, the time-rewinding mechanics are effectively... uh, They've been done before. The meta elements of the game have been done before. I've got to say, the most original ones seem to come out of Japan. (laughs) But that's the thing. They tend to be riskier, smaller titles. And even then, they tend to be sort of cocktails of previous ideas 
blended together in a way that hasn't been done before. And that's, you know, for the most unusual ones. I mean, I'm talking about the, the pixel <laughs> junk games. I haven't, I haven't really played them, so. But that's the point! We aren't even playing these games. <laughs> They're original, but we don't give a stuff because we're too busy playing FIFA and Zelda and just all of these established titles out there. That it doesn't matter if you can get massively original. I mean, you know, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but you, you've looked up a list of games. The, the, the biggest selling, is it the biggest selling or the highest rated games? The highest rated games on each one of the platforms. Okay, right. Well, just hit me with it because I don't know what you're about. Well, I mean, to say. the interesting one is to look at the 360 in, in many respects and actually, Looking at the list now, there's out of the top ten games I've jotted down here, there's actually five of them that were sequels. And I'm not too sure at this point we can say that any sequel is necessarily an originality title. Mm. We can improve. But anyway, so, you know, the, the top rated game would have been Grand Theft Auto 4. Mm-hmm. Sequel. That's the highest in Metacritic. Metacritic has, I think, is running at 98%. Right. Um, Bioshock, Orange Box, Mass Effect 2, Gears of War, Oblivion, Call of Duty 4, Halo 3, Modern Warfare 2, and Braid. See, okay. Bioshock had an interesting setting. I mean, we'll get to that when you do your Bioshock 2 review. Mm-hmm. But effectively, it was very similar to Half-Life 2, right? With with some interesting new fighting mechanics. But <laughs> just the way that it led you around a giant, you know, carefully constructed, beautifully art-designed environment that basically put you through set pieces. Yeah, but once again, you, know, you you can't look at Bioshock and say, okay, well, that's purely original. No, because it's a first-person shooter, and yeah. it had a, you know, in many respects, what made it original was it had an interesting story. Yeah, which, by the story, way, was pilfered yeah. from an Ayn Rand-style uh, well, web writing. Quite possibly, but if it's something that games haven't touched on before, then it's original within original the, within the medium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, ultimately, all it was was a first-person shooter with a few bells and whistles. If you look at it from its its core gameplay mechanic, mm. so you know, and this is where I think we're always going to get stuck on here because gaming is just an evolution of you know genres over a period of time, mm. and that's why I say, is there anything that would necessarily come into the market now and we could say, oh, that's that's a hundred percent original? It wouldn't be huge, I can tell Maybe you right now. Scribbles. I mean, yes, it's playing... it didn't fucking work though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's more game mechanics. That's the limitation of the the platform that it was put on. And you know, probably a bit more money and development. Okay, time. Uh, it, it it was original, but uh, ultimately, the, the, but then here's what suffered: the game mechanics. So ultimately, you know, if, if it's a case of one or the other, most people are going to go for game mechanics. If a game works and if people can play the game, I mean, look at Modern Warfare 2. People weren't going, uh, not very original though, is it? They were just buying it in droves because they liked the way the, the game works and they liked the things the game put mm-hmm. you through. But most of all, they liked shooting each other en masse in multiplayer, which is something that we simply cannot get enough of. Since what? Mid-90s, we've just adored being behind a gun shooting our friends and pretty Why much all, all the top selling titles if you really study most of the charts would actually lead to games that have had some sort of multiplayer core why is that? I mean, that's, that's a whole new podcast mm-hmm. but why why do we like killing each other so much in that same way it's not even like screwdriver hero where you just run around stabbing each other in the neck with a screwdriver i mean that, that, that usually there are <laughs> there are like little you know elements to the game where they can, you know remember in the golden eye they had slappers only and things and you can you can twist your game around and have it like so okay right only use knives and then of course someone starts running around with an smg and ruining the thing and getting kicked but it usually involves you with a gun front of the screen shooting your friends Totally yeah, but, yeah, but unoriginal. you're linking originality now to the key to enjoying a, an experience with a video game. Mm. I think you know, reading down that top ten list, I mean, that's all those games there are about ninety five percent or above on Metacritic. Mm. And yeah, I, I think you know, 
Bioshock, I, I think it was a, an original title for when it was released. I mean, Orange Box, obviously, you know, half of Val's catalogue and there, I think, you know, Half-Life 2 was hugely uh, influential. And, and ah, I think Portal on that was original. There we go. But even uh, that way, they couldn't sell it on its own. It was bundled with everything else, wasn't it? But I, I wonder, when I, when I look at original games and when I, we talk about reviews on, on the show and you know, we talk about how it feels fresh and original, I, I think it's more about something that you know is going to be a, a genre setter, a pace setter. Mm. Even if it falls within, say, the third-person shooter genre, when, I, when uh, Gears of War uh, first you know, landed on and it was there and we were playing it, I felt that you know, although it's very derivative of many other shooters it was original in the way that it, it, its cover mechanic was the, clearly the best we'd ever seen up until this point so mm. you could say well it, it, it brought an originality to that but you were still playing a bearded space marine who could you were still playing a shooter smack yeah. things and it's it, not m- massively different from warhammer effectively okay well how about flower yep flower's original totally again small interesting was it was it japanese as a product no no that's american sorry yes although yeah it was um Developed by a you know, co-Japanese developer on it. But so. you could be forgiven for thinking it was, because it's graceful, it's artistic, it had a, a sense of sort of flow to it, and it felt like calligraphy almost while you were playing. But look at the most influential new genre of the past few years, the music with a matching game. When Guitar Hero 1 came out, everyone, you know, it was slow to uptake. And when finally when Guitar Hero 2 was out on 360, and then 3 came out, everyone was like loving it. And then Rock Band came out, and everyone was loving it. It was brilliant. Way back Guitar Hero 1, even that wasn't really original at all, because it was effectively just Konami's guitar freaks with good music. And, and even then, that, that's effectively just Dance Dance Revolution, only you're using a guitar controller rather than bouncing up and down on the pad. It's it, it, even new genre setters effectively use but, old ideas. But surely, I mean, obviously we're we're trying to get onto a point here, and I think the point clearly is starting to shape that you know originality isn't really you know is a word that we'd love to ban mm. around as you know as reviewers. But clearly, when you study any genre, that it's that's not really the case. But I think if you if we wander outside of our medium, look at films, look at TV, look at books, even. Mm. I, I wouldn't say there's there's necessarily such originality there. I, I think most things have been achieved in films, and it's it's the way that uh, you know the production of the film and the way it's portrayed, or just the way the story is written. Um, but you know, it's, it's still lending elements of every other film that's ever been out there. And, and every know, film that comes out is effectively thought. just variations on a theme. There's a phrase which is very pertinent here, which is "There's nothing new under the sun." And, and ultimately, everyone, every creator, and I, I learned this slowly as, a, as someone trying to write books throughout the last 10 years, every creator is going to have their influences. You can't, you can't not yep. be influenced by someone unless you grow up in a vacuum. And, and then you, you, I don't know, there is no one person who can actually tell us that, and I don't think they'd be that creative in the first place. Because you have to be inspired by something in the first place. It's oh, and you very learn from your forebears as well. That's what I yeah. always say. Yeah, you need to learn from their mistakes. You need to learn what's good. But even then, you can't basically make something which isn't just, you know, the best and most original ideas are effectively just, as I said earlier, a cocktail of other ones which have come from elsewhere. Or, or maybe, you know, one new idea bolstered with about 16 other old ones which have been tried and tested. So how about Heavy Rain? I mean, it's... That's a difficult one. Obviously, we'll be talking more about it in the in yeah, forthcoming weeks when it's out. That some, but um, well, effectively, it's just a fancier version of Fahrenheit, which, when you play it, is is like a 3D adventure of, a uh, along the lines adventure. of yeah, point-and-click, <laughs> you know, an extension of How Alone in the Dark and Resident Evil became extensions of the survival horror was graduated from 
point-and-click adventures, only this one's a bit more cerebral. And, and there's there's more minutia and mundanity in David Cage's world where you can just basically go to the fridge and drink some orange juice. But surely that's the caveat that we need to be looking here is is stuff that just branches from that. You know, as much as you know the the core gameplay of it may be a point and click adventure, there's still consequences to storylines that you know if you choose to do one thing over the other, mm. that you wouldn't have got on you know in, within that genre, what five years ago. Uh, I will willingly and 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 gleefully say that uh, Heavy Rain is very original in places, but effectively it's also just a giant jumble of quick time events, uh, you know, in 3D expl- exploration environment where you can, you know, you go to a hotel, open a door, talk to somebody there, and then you have a fight with someone, just like in the demo, and you got to press up, and then you got to press left, and then you got to press down, and then you got to twirl the stick around, and you got to press R1, and it's it, it basically you are effectively just doing Simon Says again. It's you know it's just a reformatting and a reshaping of something that you've done over and over again. It's it's not entirely out of the region of God of War. So you you sound like a kid that's just been told the world is one big lie. So get on with it. Christ, it's the Matrix. <laughs> just been told. How about Little Big Planet, Metal Gear Solid Four? You know, I'm just trying to think of titles that have you know maybe. Okay, Kojima uh, back in his day when he started doing Metal Gear Solid One. And then, it, by extension, Metal Gear Solid 2 has a very interesting way of playing with your head. And his manner of making games is kind of original. However, Metal Gear Solid 4 is just a fancy version of Metal Gear Solid 1. It's, with that, it's with derivative, that yeah. yeah. It's easy <laughs> to argue that one. Now, Little Big Planet is original. I mean, effectively, you're taking the platform mechanics and they're saying, what well, the, the actual point of the game is not necessarily the platforming or the jumping. It's the making. It's the creating. It's effectively, it's an application rather than a game itself. Which is, you know, it's it's giving you the the ability to make your own levels, which is great. And more than just that, you can make a calculator if you're that kind of genius. But it, it didn't even sell all that well, and that's the great shame about LBP. I mean, I know you haven't played it much, so I'll answer this myself. Super Mario Galaxy. Answer uh, that yourself. Well, and I, would, you know, I, I, I personally think it's very uh, original, certainly within its level design. There's lots of stuff I haven't seen copied since, or you know, that was made before it. Yeah. Um, Mario Galaxy 2 just around the corner. It seems to me, for, as an outsider, that they uh, effectively took the action of Super Mario 64 and just removed the uh, the basis of gravity and gave you little platforms to run yeah, but surely down, that's enough because I, I think yeah, yeah, that, that was the original touch to it that was I mean it, that, that's why it's it, it breaks new ground that doesn't make it necessarily a massively original game it is effectively just another big 3D Mario adventure not massively dissimilar to Sunshine and 64 so but what are you expecting then from this conversation is just a realisation just to yeah to, effectively to put- just that we stop putting quite such a uh, premium on originality that we stop looking at Darksiders and yeah. saying, well, it's been done before, so why bother playing it? Yeah, but yeah, and this, this is where I think you and me separate off here slightly. As, as much as Darksiders is 
well, it feels like a game you played before. I feel comfortable with that. I can sit here now for the next 15 hours and just have a good ride. Mm. I'm not too sure, you know, I'm, I'm quite as willing just to, to sit there and go, well, you know, there's no, there's no more ideas left in this world. Let's just, you know, enjoy the ones that are created and, and let's, you know, continue on as from there and nothing really involved. I mean, for weeks and weeks and months and years on this show, we've always been preaching, you know, push forward, push forward, let's see what's next around the corner. Mm. And as much as that may not necessarily be 100% original, stuff that comes out, this, these little snippets, you know, heavy rain, you know, slightly branching trees that are going to lead you to die, you know, that's been a big thing recently. Mass Effect 2 has been doing it. By the way, I have been very worried that uh, I'm going to play heavy rain and it's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> I don't know why. Yes. No, Playing Fahrenheit again this week, I just, I just thought there's going to be a point in heavy rain where I throw it on the pad in frustration. But also, I think that's where you know the the, the pace setters, the early you know the early ones that are trying stuff, always do slightly trip up over themselves because you know mm. they're, they're leading in technology, mm. and that's I mean that's understandable. But you know, I, my experience with Bioshock Two recently was, and I'll, I'll do a bit more on it later. But you know, mm. it's. The first one was this, this sense of wonder in this place when you first walking into a rapture and it's like, wow, I've, I've never seen an environment like this portrayed in a video game and a story like this is, you know, is telling about this dystopian, um, you know, place that just, you know, stuff like that hasn't, was, was never really attempted within, you know, video and narrative. It felt really original. Now, coming into the sequel, all that stuff was taken away and, you know, from as much as I think, you know, in many respects the game is a better game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it doesn't feel as fresh and as new, and dare I say, it doesn't feel quite as original. And take a drink, of course. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think that there is, of course, room for new stories to be told, new ideas to be pushed in there. I just, I mean, overall, I'm just happy to say, you know, there, we're, we're not necessarily bankrupt of ideas because, you know, there, there's always, you know, new, new blood, new talent, new ideas to be thrown around there. And, you know, games, if you just look over the last three years, have progressed massively. You know, we'd be graphics or storytelling or just voice acting. You know, there's there's always increments of you know more interesting stuff happening. But I think a lot of the core gameplay elements, I'm not too sure there's there's too much to move in there. Hence, like we're saying, heavy rain, actually just a point and click adventure, a little bit planet planet, kind of just a you know a, a 2D size rolling platformer with you know a unique twist. See where I'm going? You know, most games are based around genres of other games. And, you know, I, I think this is when we get so excited when something comes out. And I, this is the feeling I had when the first time I played Guitar Hero, the first time I actually mm. sat down with Rock Band. It, it wasn't necessarily that, you know, it was original. It, quite frankly, it was original to me. I never had access to any of the Guitar Freaks or you know, whatever the versions in, in Japan were. So and even if we had, it wouldn't have been great because we wouldn't have been playing the songs we liked or yeah, knew. So, so. so it, was a, it was a brand new genre, and I fell in love with it because it was something we've never tried before. Now, really, when you look at it, well, we've been playing this, you know, you could argue, well, it's just an evolution of Fantavision on the PlayStation 2. You're just, you know, hitting button presses in the time of wanting to see pretty lights on the screen. So... Maybe not 100% original, but it felt like a new genre. And I'm not too sure there was... Think of another genre that has come in the last 10 years. Tower defense games. Oh, they've been around for years. No, it really, they, it, it's only really come into its own in, since 2007. But, I mean, that developed from things like Rampart. Maybe we're being a bit unfair. Because, I mean, if, if you take the RPG genre, for instance, I mean, you, you could argue that that goes all the way back to text-based adventure genre. Mm. 
you know that you know it's been going since you know the the ability to post stuff off on the on the net and even before that that people were doing it through pages of their textbooks to each other in you know in classrooms mm-hmm. so you know you can argue well of course it's completely unoriginal but look where we are now i mean look how far we have come as maybe you could draw a line where you know jrpgs have got to where they're quite happy to be within their own kind of yeah. a subset of the the rpgs but i mean now take how far well mass what mass effect 2 is doing from where you know textbooks in classrooms, you know it, it, it may at its very core be completely unoriginal, but what it does within that the outer layer, oh my god, I'm I'm so happy we live in this day and age and not then. So, is there a difference between unoriginality and lack of progression? That's, I mean, that's a difficult one. I think you can you can easily band around uh, this game is unoriginal if they are wholeheartedly copying something and they have no angle of their own. Now, I think Darksiders has an, uh, actually an interesting story. It has an interesting art style. And I think it, it, it means well in everything it does. I mean, it, it certainly plays well from the hour I played. Mm. Um, so, it, I mean, it just doesn't come across like it's, it's just taking these elements because it has no clear ideas of its own. And I think that's where the boundary stops. I mean, I, I can't. Think of bad crap games. I don't know. Shellshot Two comes to mind from from last year that I played. It, it just oh. plays like every other first person shooter that you know. It's then quite frankly, it could have just been copied of paste from games that were two or three years before it. Yeah. And then but shut that from shell. Surely it, it wasn't the unoriginality that hurt in that one. It was the fact that it was a shoddily designed game. Yeah, but I mean, I think both those things come in hand by hand. I. I you know, developers that are lazy enough just to, you know, still copy whatever way you want to think and be really unoriginal mm. tend to not, you know, it's tend to, you know, if the, if the point that you've got to a game is saying, oh, it's really unoriginal, mm. I think the game has nothing really redeeming that you found about it because if you can't say anything positive about it whatsoever and the mm. highlight you can say, well, it's pretty unoriginal. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> well, okay, so if you, if you go to the extremes, um, unoriginal shoddy game, Shellshock 2, original shoddy game, Scribblenauts. Unoriginal good game, Darksiders. Original good game, Flower. Uh, it's, it's, it's better to be original and shoddy, because at least you kind of get the, the props for, for originality in Scribblenauts. And I'm fairly certain Shellshock 2 sold less than Scribblenauts. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, and remember the hype around uh, Scribblenauts. I mean, yeah. it's, ultimately it because of the originality, be, everyone was like, oh, it's going to be so good! Yeah, and I mean... You can pretty much gauge a game's uh, originality by the hype that is uh, induced around it. But I think mm. sometimes it, a lot of that's hand in hand of what we think it may actually do within the genre. Because it's, it's meant to be quite often the games that gather that much hype. It's the pinnacle of the genre. And normally yes. stuff that is a pinnacle of the genre is doing something to you know elevate it, move it one step forward. Like Little Big Planet or indeed... Yeah. Heavy Rain. I mean, and, yeah, tell me one of the games that's received more hype for the kind of stuff it's doing in the past few years. Yeah, I mean, and you have to remember, of course, you know, Modern Warfare 2, you know, the biggest selling game of all time, or, or certainly of last year. Um, you know, pretty damn unoriginal in many respects, but it, it once again, it, it kind of took the multiplayer shooter a little bit for, for what, you know, it's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I can see what it was doing. You take the first, you know, the original Call of Duty 4 and it's, it's a leveling system within a first person shooter. Um, you know, and it, all its perks and, and, you know, well, yeah, literally leveling up through it. I mean, that game that has now been copied by pretty much everything. So that was pretty original back then. 
And even, you know, it's, it's the, the sequel, you know, I think struggled to gain, you know, anything. I mean, that, that was my problem with the, the sequel. It felt like, you know, once again, I, well, I, I did all this first time around in Call of Duty 4 and I'm being asked to do it again in Modern Warfare 2. Mm. If it was comfortable enough, I don't necessarily mind doing it because, you know, once again, it's like Dark Side, it's comfortable enough gameplay. Yeah. But yet, I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, it, Modern Warfare 2 throughout kind of felt it was completely unoriginal title. Mm. You know? So let's just look at these two games. We, we've established that they aren't especially original. Let's just look at five things each per game that we can actually commend. In, in the case of Darksiders, I'm going to go with the art. Joe Maderero, the artist on this, used to do Uncanny X-Men comics, which I used to collect and adore his art. That was before I cared so much about story. And and he, he also did a short-lived series called Battle Chasers. By the end, I think episodes eight and nine had a couple of years in between them because it took him so very long to draw. Seeing his like giant manga, but with slightly Western influences, his slightly steampunky design actually splashed out on the on the uh, video game page. It really works, and I really hope he does more kind of video games like this. You know, moving on from here because he has a very kind of dynamic art style, and it, it lends the characters a lot of gravitas that they wouldn't otherwise have had. I, it, I, just, I love the art direction on this one. It's 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 mostly pilfered from uh, a God of War, but there's there's a kind of um, it, it does kind of feel fresh and chunky. And it, it doesn't does, feel it, like Dante's Inferno. That's what it yeah. doesn't feel like. No, Dante's Inferno felt like Spawn and left it really tired. I'm so sick of seeing this over and over again. But this kind of felt like you could probably show it show it to a 13-year-old and there's really nothing in there that's actually going to um, upset them. Uh, at the same time, it, it thus comes off as a little bit more mature than Dante's Inferno, which you couldn't show to a 13-year-old because of all the immature fucking tits and arse and exploding blood and... Women with babies that come out of their nipples. It's going to be interesting to see your take on God of War 3, you know. Oh, good God. I don't don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it so much, mainly because I really like Greek mythology. So we've had the art. Um, The meatiness of it, when you're actually fighting things, you really, you know, they push you back and they whittle your energy down. I did die several times in this game. And you just, you really go, and you're smacking away with the swords. They allow you to hotkey either a, a scythe or a giant power glove to your, uh, your, your Y button. So you're basically trading off between horizontal attacks with your sword and then vertical attacks with your extra weapon. And you can flash back and forth between these two kinds of weapons and really lay waste to the undead. And that feels really meaty and impactful. And, and, and there's times when, you know, you're thrown up against, like, several enemies that are really going to annoy you. And so you have to really lay into them. And the ferocity of his attacks and the sound effects of that, just, you know, they, they packed a punch. And I enjoyed it for that. I love riding on Ruin, his horse. It's just like a pona, only it's on fire. And that's awesome. And it's, it's got like, it's, it's, this is basically the game I wished Brutal Legend had been. You know, it's ocarina, but with a kind of heavy metal, demons and shiny fire and swords and things, you know, firing out the place. But with Zelda gameplay and not a hidden RTS. I mean, you know, that's great for, I mean, you enjoyed the RTS elements of it, but it just, it pushed me away. I, I, you know, this is just Overlord to me. Um, So that's three. Um, the familiarity, as I said, the, 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 you know, going from palace to palace and knowing roughly what you were doing and being able to bust open different doorways and going, right, I've got this now. I remember that bit which, uh, you know, had, you know, I could, I couldn't get through before. Oh, great. And then it's good backtracking though, because it's, it's fairly quick. They allow you to teleport between different places using teleport holes. Once you get your horse, you can ride in any open spaces. And really, it's only times when you have to go back and go through palaces 
bosses that become a bit of a grind. And, you know, ultimately, you, there's an optional quest to find all ten pieces of an abyssal armor set where you basically, you know, you end up with this giant black suit of armor just to fight the last boss with, effectively. And, that, and that's all great, and I can't think of a fifth, because basically it's just that. I, I, Mark Hamill doing voiceover work. It's great. And there's a uh, the uh, the blacksmith character. He's a really fun kind of... He's a very gruff, angry Scottish guy. He's basically Shrek with a giant hammer. And you get to fight him and then help him shoot angels with a gun. And it's 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 meaty. And I think Paul will really like it because he he enjoys that. He loves a bit of God of War. He loves a bit of Zelda. He just needs to make some time for it because it is a good eighteen hours or so. But it'll it'll definitely fill him in. If he if he got through Dante's Inferno, he'll get through this. So that's my five. Tell me about Bioshock 2 in terms of five good things. And also bring in the bad things if you need. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'll do a little mini-review, and I think most hopefully I can find five you know, good things within that. Um, I mean, if you just think about the situation 2K was in when they were thinking about making this game, I mean, Bioshock was the... St- I would, I would say necessarily had a surprise hit from, right? You know, obviously, you know, there was a lot of hype going around it, and, you know, Ken Levine was a name in the industry. But just, you know, it... I, I don't think they were expecting it necessarily to go on to sell the, the two million copies it, it yeah. did. Yeah. So, you know, 2K suddenly had a hot property on their hands, but also what Ken Levine did rather well was make a story that was, in lack of a better word, compelling. Um, and hmm. wrapped and. You were literally up. being compelled around the place. Yeah, I mean, and it wrapped up the story of Bioshock pretty neatly. It, it felt like a film that didn't necessarily. Uh, need a sequel I mean it's, there's plenty of films out there you think about that but you know in this case it was a game now games are, are, are fantastic uh, pieces of entertainment that you know every company if they have a hit tend to want to make a sequel to because that's how this industry is built in fact if I you know reading that list off the unoriginal uh, well, the, the top games of uh, our industry apparently five of them are um, you know sequels so it's, it was inevitable this was going to happen, and of course there was a hell of a lot of backlash when the, uh, you know, eventually 2K did announce it, and mm. the fact that Ken Levine weren't, wasn't going to be on board, mm. it, it was going to a completely different uh, studio. In fact, it, in, in the end, I believe it went to five different studios to finally make this game. So you could argue it's taken five studios to make one man's work, which is kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so here we are. Um, I got kind of excited about it. I, I did actually want to play it. I had, I really loved the first Bioshock, um, and I wanted, I mean, quite frankly, I wanted to go back to Rapture. Because what people forget to tell you is that no one's really made another game world like Rapture. It's mm. been two, slightly over two years, three years now, since the original came out, and I, 
I'm not too sure anything else has, has kind of captured um, that that tone and place, or certainly hasn't had that that, that place sitting is is a really interesting place. And I kind of felt like I wanted to go back there, so I was willing to give it a, a second uh, shot. Mm. And it it comes down to and and so basically, there's this new person called Sophia Lamb. Once you've finished the end of the first, once you finish the end of the first one. Um, well, ten years. This is basically set ten years down the line. Somebody, or uh, Sophia Lamb, has taken this person's place. So I don't want to ruin the, the end of Bioshock if you mm. haven't played it. But you should, because my wife hasn't she obviously should. played it, and she will be listening to this, and she will want to play. Well, there we go. So yeah, you, you basically have a new, you know, alter ego or <laughs> a new villain. Uh, it's never quite that simple, but you know, she is a new this. nemesis. Yeah. And, you know, once again, well, this is how good the story is. I don't necessarily want to say she's a nemesis. I think, you know, she's a, she's a more... A new out. antagonist? Antagonist. That would, be, that would be a lot better. You have mm. a new antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but you start off the game. Uh, in the first game, you were just a plain old guy, Jack, but, you know, were, happened to be stranded on, in... You crash-landed this plane in the sea, and you see a, a lighthouse, and you go down into this lighthouse, and you enter this horrible world. But and you, the whole story is basically somebody helping you to get back out of this horrible world. It's magnificent as well as horrible. It's important to say. Of course, uh, but you know that was a simplistic view of how Bioshock played. But you were basically an, an every every man's character mm. you found yourself in an extraordinary situation. You know, wake me up when you know there's me saying it's a great story. It's like oh, that sounds like every other story I've ever heard in every other game. But you now it's a bit more complex for that. Well, this one you actually um, assume you know a little bit about Bioshock. I shall just go over that. But you actually start off as a big daddy. Um, so one of the, the, the things that you were so hard to kill in the first one, you actually start the game out as this big daddy, so this big guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. But unlike the, f- the ones in the, in the original, um, you actually have free will. The big daddies before were just literally, you know, guardians of the, the little sisters that basically walk around collecting atoms. This time you are the big daddy and you have free will. Um, so like I say, it was set ten years after, so, but it's still set within the same uh, city, so it's still set within Rapture. Uh, it still has all this completely 1950s feel and the sound and, and the design. But what have they kindly done? They've kind of said, well, it's 10 years down the line and you're playing in a completely different part of the city you've never been before. Mm. So they they kind of set it up as like it's it's the residence. So they get to go to Fort Frolic. No, it, it's set up as like the residence quarters. So you, you visit a lot of places where people, you know, bedrooms and stuff would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you go through museums, you know, the visitors area. I'm trying to imagine a big daddy being any good at exploring. You, you you start well, you're actually a prototype so you're one of the first big daddies and this, I mean not giving away I don't want to give any any story away because it, it's still fairly important um, you're actually after you you wake up or you actually you, you oh no that will give plenty of story but you're after <laughs> um, you're after basically your daughter your daughter has been kidnapped it's your only memory of this world and uh, your instinct is to find her within this place. And Sophia I'm Lam. going out for my baby. Yeah. Uh, and Sophia Lamb is is part of that. I mean, to, to actually say your daughter is one of the little sisters. So you know, it's it's a fairly it's an interesting take on the story. Mm. Um, and so that's the story. So I don't really want to spoil it from anybody, but I, I would say it's an interesting story. But it it never hits the same heights as the first one. Um, some of that, I mean, we could from the originality conversation we just had feels just like it. Because this is a place you've been to before, mm-hmm. um, it's you've already seen in many respects, which is some of the, the best storytelling that's been within a game. Mm. Um, so the pinnacle of the story, and it almost feels like they know that they they can't top the story. 
so from the first one. So they're not going to try, but they're going to kind of spin it off in their own little direction. Uh, and it and it for the most part it kind of works. The ending's actually quite touching, and um, I I wouldn't not play it just because it's not going to be as good as the first in storyline. Yeah. But what it actually does do, I personally think, I think it it betters the game in pretty much every other respect because I mean it, it has been. I think it's 2007, the uh, original Bioshock came out. So it's been, well, at this point, then it's 2010. Let's just say it's three years, but it, it's, I don't mean, think it is quite that. But, you know, game design has, has moved on. Um, so before, it was always very much about you could use a plasmid. So you could use one of these, well, I should assume, you know, plasmids. But, so you can use them a plasmid. And a special skill. A special skill, so such as you could freeze them. Or, or electrocute them, or set them on fire, else, or you yeah. could um, get the big daddies to work for you. That was cool. And between that, then, you'd have to uh, switch out skill set, and then you could use weapons. You could make wrench. bees come out of your arm. Good, yes. Um, well, this this one now, they've taken it, you know, they've basically taken the idea of dual wielding. So now you can do both plasmids and both fire at the same time. So mm. the left, left trigger, you pull down, fires a plasmid, so you can freeze them with the right trigger, trigger at the same time. You can be firing a rocket to blow that frosted beast up. So nice. it's, that um, works really well. But the basic gameplay now actually revolves around, it's because you are a big daddy, you can take a hell of a lot of more damage. So instead of now um, killing the, the big daddies to rescue the little sisters, it's your job, the basic gameplay will be, is to take down the big daddy, first of all, mm-hmm. get the little sister, and now at this choice, you, you obviously have the choice to harvest them or rescue them. So yeah, if you're a nice person, of course, you're going to rescue them. Once you've rescued them, now you actually have to be the one that's protecting her from collecting her Adam before you can actually set them free. Right. So you end up in a situation where, and this is really where the core of the gameplay is, that you set down a little sister and say, right, you need to harvest this Adam from this, this body. The, mm-hmm. you know, each body is specially marked. Um, and as you do that, it's got like a, a, a counter of how far she's actually taken the Adam, and that can be anything from like, I don't know, 30 seconds all the way up to about two minutes. Mm-hmm. Within that time limit, all hell breaks loose. All the splices, all the bad people that want that Adam because it's the source of the environment mm-hmm. come down and they're going to try to take that Adam from her. So it's like horde mode then. Yeah, it's basically your job to protect her. Mm. And what they've done, and it's really quite interesting gameplay, you actually have a time period before you set it down so you can uh, set up lots of traps. So you, you have these like bolt traps that basically fire up if they step over them. You have electricity traps. You can set the, use a tonic to, or um, a plasmid to set the, the, the whirlwind traps nice. to you know, flip up into the air. And you, you, you can set, set these huge elaborate traps up. So basically when you set the, the little sisters down, you just sit there and <laughs> you wait in the background and watch everybody just fall into your wonderful half-hour design scheme. Nice. Maybe take out one or two extra people. So it actually adds a, a real gameplay element that wasn't in the first. The first felt like you were just trying to get away from the splices. Yeah. All the big daddies because they were in your way because you wanted to, to rescue little sisters. But that's about it. So I feel like the gameplay has stepped up. and It's become much more tactical from the sounds of it. it it's Much it's more just, kind of thinking ahead. Yeah, it's just a, a better feeling game. Everything the plasmids feel, you know, realistic and tangible now. The guns actually feel like a proper gun. Nice. I mean, that was one of the. I, I still think a failure of the first one. For as much as it was a, a, a compelling game that you wanted to push all the way through, the actual gameplay element was a tad 
annoying. It, it feels once again like the Mass Effect syndrome. They've taken everything that was annoying from the first one, such as the pipe puzzles, etc., uh, the hacking puzzles, and just made them uh, smarter, more intelligent. Cleaned up a lot of the interface. Cleaned up a lot of the way that your characters move, well, your character moves and fires his weapon. So I think that's the biggest thing to to take from it. And there are some points in the game where it's really some of the battles are really hard, and some of the set pieces. Um, you know, there will be like the flooding of Rapture at certain times. Not really a spoiler, but it just catch. You know, it it does actually change the environment. One thing is disappointing. It unlike the first one, the you you could explore. I mean, once you could almost go right back to the very start of the game by exploring different areas, and they would change over time as different events would actually happen. In this one, it's you're literally you're on the train. You go into one area, say like the museum section. You do everything in there. You get on the train. You can never come back again. So you need to make sure that everything right. you've done. Has been complete. Um, so I mean, that's that really. I mean, I'm I'm caught between a rock and a hard place here because one hand, I'm I'm a believer that you know a story is a hugely important part of the game. So clearly from that perspective, it's not as good as the original Bioshock. But on the other hand, you play games to experience the fun of playing games, um, and I think Bioshock Two pretty much tops it in every way, shape, and form. When it comes to the actual gameplay sections of it, I think there's been some intelligent game design in there. Um, so it's a really hard one to to say. I mean, I think if you if you enjoyed Bioshock, pick up Bioshock Two. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, you may not be blown away, but I think you'll you'll be happy to be back into Rapture, which is, firstly I, it looks and it has to be said now looks phenomenal. Two, two years of development, you know, they finally sorted out how the water really should look and mm. how, you know, it doesn't glisten off every single wall. It, it looks more organic, like stuff is growing. Um, and also, I'd say it's probably the best sound design I've heard in any game ever. There's some, I mean, I've... I've Over Dead Space? Yeah, I mean, I've got a very nice sound system, but as you're walking through, it's, it's stuff like little touches, like you'll be walking um, through just a corridor and there'll be like a little bits of drips coming down from the ceiling and as you walk underneath the drips because you're a big daddy and you're a big metal beast it starts going tick, 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 on top of your head on top of your helmet awesome and, and some of the you know as you're going through certain water effects it just it it's really I mean the production values are really really high and on top of that the multiplayer is not bad too I know I know Bioshock didn't need multiplayer but trust me when you play it you'll go yeah, that actually works. I'm surprised that actually works. The plasmids works because you can go around freezing people. Uh, it's got a, a leveling system just like Modern Warfare 2. So you're constantly uh, using different weapons and it's like Modern Warfare 2. It's say like, right, so in this one you need to electrocute someone uh, whilst jumping from the air and firing a rocket down on top of their head. So, you know, there's like this variety of collecting more add to rank up all the way up to level 40. And I've actually been enjoying it believe it or not, a lot more than most multiplayer offerings I've, I've played in in the past few months. So it's, it's something I'm going to actually stick with. Um, so overall, I mean, I've, I've been really happy with the entire package. I'm very glad I brought it. And I would advise if you did like Bioshock 2, purchase it or at least rent it because I, I think there's plenty of cynics out there, but actually this game will be, and I, I will stand by this, I think this game will be within probably my top five of the year. So, um, you know, I say very good. Is it original, though? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end it. Mm. 
I will just say a few things about uh, the downside of Darksiders, because I don't think I actually have mentioned that. When you start off, you get everything taken away from you. And to begin with, it kind of sucks, because you've got a couple of attacks, and you're getting attacked on all sides, and you feel like, I'm just never going to be able to get the better of these guys. Eventually, maybe after three hours or so, you will start getting double hard. And then by the end of the game, you're going to be a whizzing dervish of blades, just decimating everything in your wake. And you'll be overpowered, which is great, because basically you feel like you've finally got back to the point of being the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. And you think, you know, I am actually a genuine deity at this point, and I'm not just going to get punked by some zombie with an extra, you know, when I've only got an ounce of energy left. And uh, and that's good, but it starts out it's it's slow to to get let you get powerful, and I got to mention the final palace is a pain in the ass. The one where you get the portal gun, and my god, the amount of time it takes to basically re- redirect this beam of light throughout fucking level after level after level just to get one uh, one creature out of uh, its bond, it's um it, it's it, it outstayed its welcome at that point. And I thought, you know what, I could have done with half this. Um, which is a shame, because every game outstays its welcome eventually at some point. Yeah, I, I heard in particular that, that you know, Darksiders itself feels about it's five hours too long. I wouldn't say it's five hours too long. It's that dungeon too long, is all. And that dungeon <laughs> itself could probably have just been reduced <laughs> to just one hour worth of faffing about. But uh, it's, I suppose, you know, it's, it's more value for money, but I, I don't think... I would personally rather have the the feeling of yeah that was a good game as as opposed to come on just finish this thing. So, but apart from that, I really I, I'm having to rack my brains to think of anything which I just genuinely didn't like about Darksiders because um it, it's a solid enough game. Yeah, and I, I I think we're happy enough to really praise anything that is just a, you know a solid enough good fun experience. I mean, you seem to be playing a hell of a lot. I mean, I mean, that's what I've come from away with Bioshock, you know, for as much as I think, you know, a lot of people have had quite a, a lot of negativity, certainly within uh, forums and, and stuff, but the actual reviews of it have been really solid, you know, mm. really impressive. And the same with Darksiders. Like, in many respects, I think Darksiders is punching far above its weight. I don't think, well, I played it back at PAX and it, it just felt like, oh, another third person slashy game, great. Yeah, we were just laughing derisively at its demo. Mm. Like, oh, you get to run around a car park, you've got a big sword. You can throw cars at people. Yeah, you do. For for, I mean, there are, like, wrecked up car parks, and you do get to throw, you know, trashed cars at at beasties. And and it doesn't feel, when you're playing it, like, oh, this is so new. But, you know, you you get into the the character. He's not much of a character, but you get into the feeling of just being able to lay waste to dudes with your sword. It's... it's, it's visceral, like I said. I would say that about originality as well in games. There, there is something definitely nice about coming back to a game, or pleasant coming back to a game, that you have complete experience with. I mean, you, you would argue, well, I mean, the shooters, you know, such as Modern Warfare, but, you know, it, there's something about, you know, picking up the latest Halo. Yeah. I mean, yes, you know, you, people could laugh all they want, you know, it's not necessarily the most original thing. But, you know, picking up that controller, you know roughly how it's going to feel. And there's something comforting about that. You know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm personally happy with. I mean, I'd always like to see him try more, but at the same time, you know, returning back to Rapture, I was like, oh yeah, this is a really good place. Mm. 
I in, remember the design now. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, interestingly yeah. enough, in terms of Halo, uh, what are the, the two things that happened in Halo and Metal Gear Solid the, in the series that made you go, no, what they, what are they doing? This doesn't make any sense. Why am I doing this? It was, it was narrative based. What the, the, the Arbiter and the, uh, Raiden. Yeah. Raiden. Absolutely. You go into those games expecting to be Master Chief <laughs> and Metal, and Solid Snake the whole way through. And then Kojima and the guys at Bungie went, no! And they hooked it up from under you. Exactly. And forced you to play someone you didn't want to play. Same mechanics, doesn't matter. Narratively, you want to play the lead character. And that That's was, that was literally point, a, yeah. a, the two fingers up from Kojima going, look, you guys like Solid Snake? Screw you. I'm making the anti-Solid Snake. I'm making him a whiny bitch. Enjoy that. And then he comes back and forth, all cool. Yeah, damn him. Just because so he could laugh at some distance and see, I told you it was a good character. <laughs> and now there's a game all to himself. God, that series is, uh, yeah. Should have been allowed to die. Um, okay, oh. speaking of series that maybe should have been allowed to die, and, and, and on originality, and maybe backward-ass looking games, I'm going to talk for a few minutes about Metal... Alien vs. Predator. Alien vs. Predator. Right, basically, if you played the original sort of late 90s PC games of Alien vs. Predator, this is that. It's, it's the same kind of game. It's the same kind of... Um, it's a slightly jazzed up graphics, and only slightly at that. I mean, the, the character models are awful. Um, you get to play as a marine, an alien, and a predator. They've tweaked it a little bit, like uh, the, the actual display in the alien head is now no longer that sort of uh, wavy blue, you know, half-light. It's, it's now basically a normal screen with a few wibbly bits in it. And uh, the Predator, they've added a few extra weapons which and a few extra techniques that were... Uh, and they've made references, thanks to the Alien vs. Predator movies that have come and gone since. And I really like it. It's not the least bit original. It's not the least bit progressive. It's not very good in terms of modern-day shooters. But there aren't many games where you get to play a Predator, leap up onto platforms, come up behind dudes, rip their head off their body, still attached to the spinal column, and go... And put it back in your in your skull collection. And there aren't many games, yes, where you're, where you're a Marine going, push it, push it, push it, push it. And then an alien comes out of the darkness at you, and you get to fire off your pulse rifle, and it sounds like an actual pulse rifle, and it feels very authentic to the movies. The best thing about this I'm game... Sound is everything in that game. You're being yeah. lulled over by bad gameplay just because you've got a bloop bloop. And a yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, if I played it with the sound off... I probably wouldn't appreciate it so much. However, interestingly enough, turn the music off, stick on the uh, the music from Aliens, Predator, Predator 2 maybe, and maybe Alien, depending on when you're playing as the alien, and it's so much better. The kind of, this is a bit like the music from the films that they've got on the main soundtrack, isn't actually all that good, and I recommend picking up all of those uh, soundtracks to all of the, you folks out there, because there's some really atmospheric stuff, and some of my favourite bits were when I had on the music from Predator, and I was playing the Marine, and I was let into a giant arena where there was a Predator who basically immediately picks you up, tosses you down, 
and then starts jumping around the place firing at you and then taunting you in the voices of your fallen comrades and you're like shit and you're running and hiding because you know if you stay, stand out in, in the open for just a few seconds you're going to get toasted and there are just many many atmospheric moments in these in these games where you just genuinely feel like it's part of the movies however there's also some fucking annoying bits and there are bits where you die repeatedly and you're like well they couldn't just have designed around this a little bit more and it's incredibly short I managed to finish the whole game in like three four days and that was just like three four nights play and you could probably do it in like two three hours per it's also buggy as shit yeah it is some of the reports come out there's people losing game saves I fell straight through a map at one point <laughs> I was just—it um, was during the predator hunt actually. I was—I was hiding, and I accidentally clipped through a wall, and then fell backwards through the level, and then found myself looking up at it. It, it was screwed up. Yeah, um, I, I played the multiplayer um, because I thought I was actually going to really enjoy this guy. I actually didn't mind the, the demo, and that was a massive turnaround because I really mm. didn't like it. From a lot of our I, friends when we were playing it, really didn't like that demo. Yeah, often um, I'm thinking about you at this stage. And it came from my rental list, and I—I I played, I believe, about seven games. Um, five of them didn't finish because the host quit. Um, fantastic. So no one got any levels or anything. Doesn't nothing actually counts at that point. One game finished, but it crashed the Xbox. Um, and the final game that I actually did play, it doesn't do a very good job of auto balancing. So there was eight people on one side and three people on my side. That's screwed and up. Yeah, you that can imagine well. the bloodbath. And I just went, you know what? No, I'm. No. I, I'm We've right. moved on from this. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, and it's not necessarily that I, I probably may have enjoyed the single player, but on the side of the, you know, on the sitting on the, on the counter next to it, I was like, you know, I really like the multiplayer in um, uh, Bioshock too. I, yeah. I might just go and play that. And I went and played that, and then just looked at the game and go and went, no need, really, just <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? Um, Heavy Rain's out on Friday, and then Final Fantasy's out a week later, so there's no point starting this. Worst and part I, of the game, by the way, uh, it's actually when you're playing the main game. And if you, you're a, I mean, basically, if you're a predator and an alien, you don't have to interact with any people apart from ripping their heads off. Um, but if you're a marine, you gotta meet other marines, and then they're like, sort of, oh my god, they're coming, and like, like, uh, an alien will be like, attacking you, and you're shooting it, and it'll attack the other marine, and then it'll run off into the darkness, and then it'll be standing right in front of this other marine, attacking you, and the marine will run past and go, you hear that? And it's like, well, yes, it's killing me! And it'll, the, the, the Marines will say things that are totally out of character because they're just basically randomly created sentences. And they're like, they're coming, and it's right there. I, I think, you know, it, it tells us everything when we got the, the sales results through and it showed that this was the fastest selling game in the UK this year. Yeah. I mean, people, we've had Mass Effect 2 out. It's, I, I'm, it just shows you that still licensed games actually do have a hell of a lot of bang for the buck and I imagine the Alien vs. Predator license probably was on the rather cheap side because the films haven't been particularly great. Average age of the gamer? 32, 34 right now. A lot of them really enjoyed uh, this kind of uh, film when they were younger. You know, I grew up with them. and It's a very important place in my cinematic history. So obviously we're going to be buying it. Um, And the kids, they like the blood and the guts, interestingly enough. All of that 18-rated stuff that they're not allowed to play. (laughs) Mummy, buy me that. Okay, there you go. Now enjoy. They've all seen Predator as well. Yeah. So, (laughs) fine. Okay. So they're enjoying that lot. And um, it's really not a game I can recommend to people. I had a great time with it. Well, it's it's an interestingly contradictory review on that. Well, I tell you what, that that makes a first for the show for a long time, where we've actually talked about you know games we've been playing for (laughs) you know hour. We're trying to get an angle on it though. It's about originality and how important it is. In this case. 
unoriginality didn't really affect the game because it was ropey as hell. But the fact that it actually it felt familiar, the familiarity was what sold it for me. And it didn't sell it for me. I just and you know I mean and that actually shows that anything within you know within that context you know just because it's it's not necessarily original it can still actually fall either way. You know I was turned off by the fact that it felt like it was something I had played before and I didn't really want to play again. Where you kind of embraced it a bit more and said you know what I I kind of want to be an alien and even though I played the same game ten years ago why the hell not? So it can work of course both ways. But shoddy products still exist. Yeah. Do you know what I would have appreciated if you get, if they're gonna make a marine campaign, two player? Well, alien. alien Why not? Aliens, colonial. Was it colonial? Colonial marines. Colonial marines exist. So. In some capacity, it it will eventually come out. Yeah, well, it was always said that that game, you know, is still in development, but it's it's whether it will be canned or not. How well Alien vs Predator done? So, well, the fact that Alien vs Predator did fucking well, should say to Sega, well, we might get the good one. Uh, Of course, (laughs) AVP will be in the bargain bin within three weeks' time because everyone, everyone's going to bring their copies back. You'll be able to pick this up secondhand for nothing. Absolutely nothing. You'll be able to go into CEX and go, uh, have you got Alien vs. Predator? I'll sing you a song. And they'll go, yeah, 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 that's what we're giving it away for. So. A song. A song. Go to town and Mary Bond, Uncle John. He claimed he has a music, but he's having a lot of fun. Oh, baby. Yeah, baby. Woo, baby. Having me some fun tonight. Yeah. Well, long tall Sally, she's a beautiful species guy. for a podcast that's informational. Do you know we have boobs and play video games? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I'm looking at them right now. Hey, check those out. Relevant. Why, why do you have that blanket and wear your pants? Focused. As the, uh... Yar! And now I'm deaf. Filled with highbrow humor. I think that might be my stripper name, Raspberry <laughs> And very smart. Hi, we're the dumb girls on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Then you will love some other podcast. Join Elaine and Leah every Friday by visiting platformnation.com, someothercastle.com, or subscribing on iTunes. But remember, this podcast is rated M for mature. Right hand red, left leg blue. I love to play this game with you. I just hope you can't feel my boner twister. Right, and something we haven't actually done for a long time, actually, I think probably in about three or four months, um, after we had our big competition of getting 50 reviews, we haven't actually given any love or praise to the people that have last uh, left us iTunes reviews since. So although this may take a couple of minutes, it's still really, really important for us to actually get these things so that other people can find us. We move up on the charts a bit and, you know, just... In, in front of more people's eyes. So if you want to help out, help out the Digital Cowboys, just that little bit more, then just you know, su- you know, subscribe and uh, leave an iTunes review. So I actually did a little bit of research now. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I'd have a lot, you know, because we've had people complain that you know, oh, I've left a review there and you haven't picked it up. So other than just your your the UK and the USA. So I'll, I'll read those in a second. Bef- before I will give some love to some of the other countries that apparently left us iTunes reviews. It's taken me ages to actually find. So um, in Australia, although we had three Australians on the podcast last week, we've only mm-hmm. got two iTunes reviews. But hey, Super Slug and Lee Ronswald. Uh, in France, 
thank you for the person that left us a review there. I am not even going to attempt to pronounce your French name. But, uh, <laughs> Merci. Merci. Um, we've had two Zoom reviews. We don't ever cover the Zoom, so why not go there? Azrael PC, who uh, I think we know actually from Platform Nation, mm-hmm. and MS Human as well. So uh, thank you, guys. I assume you're American as the Zoom isn't available in yeah. any other country yet. Thanks, Microsoft. Uh, and talking about America, we have some uh, some from there. So E Honda Slap, great name. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan four eleven, RT five, Jazz MX five, and nobody sleeps. And in the UK, we have quite a number of them, but I'll go through them quickly. Uh, the Funky Gibbon, Coiled String, The Gent, D Delicious, Dave Bisto, UK Gamer, NH one one seven, Maru Stuck. Finlay666, JMCL2000, and Dave Wigan. So that's the kind of stuff we've had since December. So once again, thank you very much, and there's some really, really nice reviews. And yes, Funky Gibbon, we do read these things out. It just takes us a while. We don't want to bore you every week with them. So every three months or so, we might get back to doing it. Right, and as you are listening to this, we may just be readying up for our 24-hour gaming charity marathon. It depends what time you're listening to this. We're starting at midday Saturday on the 27th of February. And we're finishing at midday Sunday, 24 hours later. If you haven't heard about... I mean, everyone's heard about this before, but basically, we're, Tony and I are going to be playing Xbox 360 games for one whole day to try to get the highest gamer score on a brand new uh, account. What's it called again? Is it Digital Cowboy with a zero? Digital Cowboys with a zero where the O should be. Right. So Digital Cow... There's two O's. Uh, the first O. Digital c- Zero Boys... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are indeed leaked. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put the, uh, the the name up in the um, show notes. So yeah, basically, we, the the idea is to get as high a game score as we possibly can because Giles, regular forum member Giles, has offered to sub us ten pounds for every hundred points we can make. Insanity. I'm sure he was drinking as and when he sent that email, but sure, we'll take him up on that bet. Indeed. He's already given us £100. He's already donated that, and that's for the first 1,000 points, effectively. So he's going to be taking that off the final amount that we make. Now, so, and he, he also donated his avatar, so basically he's given us £100 for avatar. Now, that's the best thing for avatar that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically he gave us avatar and then gave us a thousand points for it. So it's, it's like he, he wants to give money to uh, Haiti and the doctors. So basically Tony and I will be getting as many points as we possibly can. And we're going to be doing this in a variety of different ways. We're going to be getting online points with you guys. We're going to be, you know, jumping onto a game, getting the, the easiest possible points that we can straight away. Because remember, all of these games we haven't been able to play on this account yet. So it's going to be what you can get from the outset. And it's going to be really tough. We're going to be having to Twitter, our, you know, what we're doing throughout the day and throughout the night and throughout the morning. And my God, this is going to weigh heavily on us. We're going to be starving. We're going to be <laughs> so, yeah. So those tired, people at five o'clock in the morning, still on Twitter, will be going. They still up. Why not? Yep. At, at the start, of this I thought this was a good idea. I thought, yeah, sure, twenty-four hours playing games. You know what? I can play a game all day. And then I realised, yeah, but by the end of the day, under uh, the day after, I'm playing the game all day. Kind of knackered. I need to go to bed. Yeah. I'm I'm and that's after how many hours? Eight hours? Yeah. That's an all day to you. Yeah. We're doing three times that. <laughs> uh. Let's get rock band out of the way to the start. Yeah, right. all of the stuff where it requires any kind of precision. Three o'clock in the morning, wake the neighbours up. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm going to be videotaping this. We're going to be doing like regular... Uh, we're we're going to see if we can maybe do some sort of 
ongoing podcast as well. We'll, we'll, we'll see and then basically publish what we've made and it, it might be good. It might be crap. If it's crap, you won't hear it. If it's good, then you will. Um, or, or it just may be the breakdown of our friendship. Maybe by the 18th hour, it'll just be a sour, miserable defeat and you'll be able to see on camera Tony and I not even looking at each other because we're just dumb on this. Yeah. I hope that's not the case, but we'll see. And yeah. oh, we've already ra- managed to raise nearly 300 pounds and we haven't even touched a joypad yet so I just want to say thank you to all those who have donated so far Giles Jerome McIntosh Ted Bovis Michael Long Anonymous Someone Smiley Face Magic Joe F Sage and Axeman Edie Sellers thank you Edie Brandon Ivy, James Libre Lefty Brown and Mrs. Lefty Brown and Liz Atkins thank you Liz you certainly didn't have to do that because of all the charity stuff you do and the fact that you're Tony's wife as well, certainly didn't escape us. So thank you very much she to. She needs ev- to nurse me back to get uh, back to back together. Well, probably she probably does need to nurse me back together. Going to be in pieces on Sunday. Um, so a- yeah, uh, we, you know we're going to try and take it easy, and, and you know, like every every time one of us gets completely destroyed, we you know maybe the other one will play and the other we'll have a nap, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll keep you updated, and we'll be on the forums as well. So twelve midday until twelve the next day. Even if you don't want to donate, just. Come on to Twitter, give us some positive feedback and keep us going. Keep, you know, cause we will feed on that for those 24 hours. We'll need people telling us to just keep motivated. So that's it. If you would like to donate, it's for Doctors Without Borders and the address is in the show notes. And we're hoping to raise 2,000 pounds and I'm hoping to get 5,000 gamer score. We shall see. Right. And, um, to celebrate the, the gaming event and watch which would have passed time, of course, the next podcast comes out. Um, Next week's show is going to be based around achievements, so or trophies, not to be biased, but yeah, achievements or trophies. Um, hopefully, we're going to have a guest on for this. Um, but on top of that, we actually would like to run another community intelligence segment from you guys. So uh, we will post that up uh, on the forums and on the on the website, the usual places. But the question that you need to answer, of course, is how have gamer points changed the way you play games, or indeed? Have they? Pretty simple. I know there's a lot of strong opinion out there. Some people hate them. Some people love them. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see just some of the comments from the community. Um, so that's your community intelligence question for this month. So for any of the uh, information from about the Hayati stuff, community intelligence, um, you can travel over to the website at www.digitalcowboys.com. If you wish to jump over to the forum for a, more of the discussion that we'll be having on here throughout the week, you can just press the forward slash and forums in front of that. And there will definitely be a thread you can keep looking at throughout the day between, on, between Saturday and Sunday lunchtimes to see how we're doing and keep checking us up on Twitter as well. Which is... Digital Cowboys. What a surprise. Okay, and we're going to leave you with Don't Stop the Sandman by Rock Sugar. It's, but I must stress, because my wife didn't realise this, this is actually them singing. I've been Axel. I've been Tony Atkins. And the happiest of trails. Um.